Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from 1 Samuel, the 31st chapter, the first to the seventh verse. Now the Philistines had fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell dead on Mount Geboa. The Philistines were, not, were in hot pursuit of Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons Jonathan, Abinadab, and Milkashua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they, found it, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come and run me through the abuse and abuse me. But his armor bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When the armor bearer saw the soul, that Saul was dead, he too, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men died together that same day. When the Israelites along the valley and those across the Jordan saw that the Israelite army had fled and that Saul and his sons had died, they abandoned their towns and they fled. The Philistines came and occupied them. This is the word of the Lord. Many of the promises that are just as sure as I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here speaking with you, they're just as sure to happen, but they may not happen uh, you know, as a song in tones. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. And, 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 and it, it'll happen maybe in the, in the time of our life, but maybe not. See, sometimes we, plant, we just plant seeds, then someone else will come along and do a little watering, and then, uh, again, as, as someone was saying, I forget uh, exactly who it was, I believe it was Maya Angelou, uh, they were saying about her life uh, is that she was planting seeds for a harvest she didn't plan or, or, you know, obviously wouldn't live to see. And that could be and should be said about all of us that are Christ followers, that we're dropping seeds into soil that either someone else has tilled or we have tilled, uh, but we are, we, are, we are seed planters. It's just a shameless PSA right now. Again, that's why at the start of this, this year, uh, starting uh, January 8th, we're going to have the, uh, the Bible study, the, the morning Bible study is going to focus solely on discipleship building. Discipleship building, just building disciples. You know, not just Christian education for Christian education's sake. You know, how many angels can dance on the head of the pen? Well, that's interesting information. It is. It's interesting information. Uh, but what's going to make you a better Christ follower? And how can that then be translated into behavior such that you then become a discipler of others? And I think a lot of us, we, 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 we hesitate doing that uh, because we don't feel like we have the, the, the spiritual chops or the tools or whatever to, to actually minister in a way that, that, that here, let me share with you, uh, as Jesus told the disciples, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. I'll, I'll show you how to fish. You know, and for those of you who know how to fish, like for fish fish, you know, you can, you can see a stream. I, I know uh, uh, Coach King, uh, he reflects on the time that he spent with his father uh, fishing. And I'm sure that if, if you pull him aside, he would tell you about, uh, uh, you know, he could probably eyeball a certain part of a stream and say, okay, fish are going to be biting here. It's the time of day. 
It's the riffle of the water. It's all of those things. And you just know. Well, how do you know? You just know. I've been taught. So now I can impart that to others. So that's really where we need to be. And that's, 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 that's again, that's a shameless public service announcement. Um, but I, so I invite you to, 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 to participate in that uh, going forward for uh, the remainder of this year. God spares us uh, starting at 10 o'clock. So, so again, from Saul's disobedience and his prophesied downfall to the selection of the least person. You know, you've seen those in, in high school yearbooks. Uh, in the, 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 you know, the most likely to succeed. The most, you know, the, the, the most likely to be elected president. The most likely to whatever, fill in the blank. Uh, if David had a yearbook, it'd be the least likely person ever to be selected as king of Israel. That would be, that would be the caption to his picture. So much so that his, his own father didn't even think much of him. His own father, you can't, it's like, your daddy? The person that, 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 that had, a, had a role in bringing you into life, to rearing you, to knowing you, to, to raising you up. Uh, yeah, I got you over the sheep, that's an important thing. You're, you're watching the assets of the family. That's, you, 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 you're watching, you got your eyeballs on the bank account of the family. Sheep, cattle, that was money. That was property. That was important. That was like, oh, let's just go get Mark to go uh, watch the cows or the sheep. No, no. You gave the most responsible person that duty to do that. So, yeah, he's responsible in that way, but king of Israel? Nah, 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 no. So in the 28th chapter, and I invite you all to, uh, 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 for your homework, uh, to read these chapters as we were going to launch over uh, several chapters right now to, to, to draw our study to close. Uh, in the 28th chapter of 1 Samuel, you'll see two things. You'll see two things in the 28th chapter. Uh, one, Samuel's died. He's dead. And two, David has joined forces with the enemy of Israel, the Philistines. I don't know. Stuff like that just, just, just boggles my mind. It's like... Uh, Samuel's dead, the Obi-Wan Kenobi of his day. The, 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 the fella that, you know, you want advice, you go not to Obi, you go to Samuel. You, you go to him. Uh, he's dead. And, oh, by the way, David is now aligned himself with the enemy of the country that he's going to become king over. This is like, you talk about choices. This is, this is some crazy stuff. This is, this, is, this is really, I mean, you can't make this stuff up, you know. Uh, you, I mean, to, to, to piece this together, it's like, oh, I'm going to create a, a, a narrative. I'm going to show God through uh, uh, the arc of a story, and I'm going to create this. Oh, man, I, not on your best day. So during the time of mourning for Samuel, the Philistines are preparing their armies to deal with Saul and Israel once and for all. That's it. We got the upper hand. We, we're, we're, we're strong. We know Israel's divided. Got Saul chasing around David. See, and that's what the evil one would want to do, is to divide and conquer. It's to, it's to get us fighting amongst ourselves so that we then can't fight the enemy that really is the enemy. So, so, we, 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 so, so that's what the evil one does. So, so during the time of mourning, uh, they're getting ready to, to pounce and deal with Saul once and for all. So Saul is understandably terrified. Why? 
because God has departed him, and he's alone. God has left, the Spirit of God has left him and has moved on to David. He's, he's like, gone, Saul, it's a wrap, you're done. Your, your, your kingdom is over. Yep, you still keep the seat warm. Uh, the, the, you're still keeping the throne warm, but you're done. So he's alone, and he's looking for guidance. He's looking for anything, you know? You know, sometimes you, you kind of look in the back of a sugar, sugar bag. It's like, Lord, are you here? Uh, you know, talk to me, talk to me. So what does he do? He goes to what would be the equivalent of Miss Cleo. He goes to Miss Cleo. Seriously, that's what he does. He goes, he's like, let's go get Miss Cleo. Let's bring her up. And uh, ultimately, she conjures up Samuel. We don't have time to unpack all of this, but I'm telling you, this is, this is really some, some really good stuff. Uh, conjures up Samuel. And Samuel ultimately speaks to Saul and delivers the bad news after he said, why are you disturbing my peace? <laughs> why, why are you messing with me? Uh, and so Samuel says, because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The, the Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. So, so this is what you got. The consequences of Saul's choice to not do what God commanded is about to come a cropper, or the, the, the chickens are coming home to roost. Uh, the verdict had been given, but the judgment, the execution is now at hand. And as I said before, I say again, one thing I do know, God is faithful. If God says he's going to do something, he's done. There is not one time. I've, I, I'm like David now. I, was, I once was young, now I'm old. You know, instead of saying that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread, I have never seen God not do what he has promised to do. That's one thing he will always do. There, I've shared with you before, I share again, there's been uh, two seminal times in my life just, just real pivotal times in my life where I've just, you know, every day is a pivotal time, just be pastor, you know, just, but, but there were two seminal times in my life where, as is, is, is we like to say, we just kept it 100 with God. Just kept it 100. God, if you are who you say you are, If these, if, if these stories are true, now would be a good time to show up. Now would be a good time to show up. I'm here to testify. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> Saints would say, showed up and showed out. Don't always get the answer I want. But he's faithful. He will do exactly what he promises to do. See, the problem is, here's the problem, is, is, is we have, we'll conjure up, kind of like Miss Cleo, we'll conjure up in our, in our mind, in our spiritual imagination, what we think God should do, or really what we would want it to do, or what things to be done, and then we try and ascribe God's name to that. 
And then when it doesn't work out, then we have the temerity, the audacity to be mad at God. God, why didn't you do this? He said, I never co-signed on that. That was never my will for your life. Why are you getting mad at me? Get mad at yourself. It's not me, it's you. God doesn't operate on anyone's clock or calendar, but you can rest assured, um, as the Bible lets us know, heaven and earth will disappear before one comma or one check mark uh, of God's word passes. So in the 29th chapter, we read, uh, moving the, from the 28th to 29th, we read uh, that the armies are assembling the Philistines and David against Saul and Israel. This is ironic. I mean, this is really tragic. Uh, but the Philistine commanders, and this is what I, I, was, I was thinking, uh, at the same time the Bible's unpacking this, it's like, now if I'm a commander with the Philistines and I got this guy who's working on my, on my team, so to speak, but he's actually aligned with the enemy, it'd be like uh, uh, having someone that says, well, I want to play on your football team, but your contract hasn't been changed or anything. And it's like, oh, you're just going to come over and read my plays? You're going to come over and, and, and work for me now? And so the commander's like, king, no, no. David can't fight with us. And the king's like, but he's been faithful for over a year. He's a good guy. No, he can't fight with us. Okay, well, king, king, only, <laughs> king knows what side his bread is butted, but, uh, buttered on. And so he sends David away. He says, thank you for your faithfulness. You've been a faithful soldier. Thank you very much. But I like to look at this as God's providence. It's like, how would you be, how would it look you raising up a hand against your brother? How, how, how would that look? That would look pretty silly. And so God is like, let me save you from you. Okay, all right. Uh, generals, be upset with the king. King, send David away. And so David, he's not involved in the battle that's going to ultimately take place uh, with Saul. Uh, so in the 30th chapter, we read that when David and his men returned to their home, they discovered that the Amalekites had raided and destroyed their cities and taken away everything and everybody. See, David's off doing his thing, aligning with the Philistines, and in his absence, another enemy came in, destroyed their, their cities, took their man, woman, and child, everything that wasn't nailed down, took them, took them away. Well, ultimately, David and his men were able to defeat the Amalekites and recover everything. And now in the 31st chapter, uh, here we read, now the Philistines fought against, switching battlegrounds now, the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell dead on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his armor-bearer, draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come and run me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer was terrified and would not do it, so Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When the armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul, his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men died together that same day. I'll remind us all that sin is a rock in a pond. 
Sin is a rock in a pond. Sin is a rock in a pond. When you throw the rock in the pond, it creates ripples. Three sons, armor bearer, a whole army, because he was disobedient. Sin, you cannot contain sin. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't rest in a, in a little box, you know, just, you know, it's just isolated. No, no. Sin is the ultimate contagion. It is the ultimate, you know, we talk about, it, and rightfully so, things like HIV and the flu and the cold and how easy it is to transfer. Sin transfers a lot more rapidly and a lot more thoroughly than any germ that you can think of. That's sin. That's what sin will do. So while God is protecting and blessing David and his men, God declared what would happen to Saul, it just happened. So he's severely wounded. Saul asked his armor bearer to kill him uh, because what would happen, and if you read portions of uh, 1 Samuel, what they did, and even what David did to the Philistines when he took them over, uh, they would mutilate their body before they killed him. They'd mutilate the body. They'd, 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 they'd cut off thumbs and other parts of the body, uh, poke out the eyes, do all types of horrible things. And then, okay, we're tired of playing with you now. Now we'll kill you. He said, I'm not gonna, I don't want to suffer that death. Kill me now. So he's like, oh, I'm not going to kill you. I know what it means to touch God's anointed. I have too much respect for the leadership of God. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Okay, if you're not going to do it, here, let me, let me prop this sword up or this spear and let me, let me like throw myself on it and run myself through. How, what a tragic, desperate picture of this is, this is Saul. This is the king of Israel. This is the king. And look what he's reduced to. And look what has happened because of his refusal to do what God asked him to do, forcing Saul to commit suicide. That's what sin does. So, you know, I, I, I submit, uh, consider the choices and the tragic situation because of his disobedience. I mean, my sons, and we wonder why, you know, we... we we wonder why certain things, it's like, well, my, my parents used to do this, and I find myself doing these things. Now my kids are picking up on, on, on the same things, and that's, I, I continue to share. If we want to be transforming in our reach to the community, to the city, to the state, to this country, to the world, there are certain social things we can, must, and should do. See, but even in Jesus's, even in Jesus's sharing with the, 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 the feeding of the 5,000 on a couple of occasions, the healing, he didn't, Jesus didn't come up to set up hospitals. He didn't come up to set up food clinics or food distribution centers. He came to save the lost. That's what he came to do. And before he left, he said, you do the same thing that I was doing. And you're going to have the Holy Spirit of God in you to enable you to do that. And you're going to be able to do more things that you would have been able to do had I remained here. See, but if we're not careful, we'll, we'll either worship the, the, either be it gifts or the, or the event or thing. It's like those are just means to an end. Oh, well, I do know. God has given me the gift of interpretation. I do know how many angels dance on the head of the pin. I don't care. Will that save anybody? Will that lead someone to Christ? 
That's, 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 just, that's just consumable information for you, for you, for you. But if we're, if we're looking to save the lost, as Christ told us to do, then we necessarily need to look at what we do and consider things from a different perspective. It's like the, it's, it's, as I like to say, it's not, it's not necessarily a telescope that we peer through. It's more like a kaleidoscope. You know what those things are. And maybe you don't. You know, everything's so high-tech now. People don't know what kaleidoscopes are. Little piece of cardboard, little cheesy, cheesy lens, and you twist it, and you get this refracted glass picture. And if you twist it another way, you get a different picture. And every time you twisted it, you got a different picture. And it's like, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. And it's like, okay, that's enough of that. Uh, it's kind of like that with our lives, right, spiritually. See? See, if, if we're not careful, we'll look at it a certain way, and then we hand it off to someone else. Well, I don't see what you see. Twist it. Oh, 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 I see what you're talking about. Man, that is nice how that purple and that green and that interact. That, that's beautiful. That's, this is, it's wonderful. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. But you have to look and you have to apply. You have to do those things in order for us to be on one accord to, to start to see the same picture. Otherwise, you'll see what you want to see, I'll see what I want to see, uh, and uh, we're not on the same page. What a tragic situation. Disobedience. My sons are killed. We would do anything. I, oh my goodness gracious. Uh, my daughter and my son, uh, my, they, I, my kids love their kids. They love their kids. What wouldn't they do? There is nothing, I, I know without beyond a shadow of a doubt, you wouldn't do anything for your kids. You wouldn't do anything for you. you you'd lay down your life. You'd take that bullet. You, you'd do all this. But, 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 but look at Saul. I'm sure Saul probably felt the same way about his sons, and he actually said as much when he, he was pursuing David. He says, look, son, I'm doing this for you. Actually, he was doing it for him, but it, let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I'm doing this for you because if David is still alive, you won't be king. So I need to snuff him out. So, I mean, it's almost like our political process. It's like, it's, it's not winners or losers. It's like, you need to lose. Your losing is more important than my winning. That's the world. That's the world. That's the world. And if we're not careful, that's what will seep into us. Hey, I, I want you to lose. I don't have the, the throne. I don't have the, the mic. I don't have the spotlight. It's not about who has the mic or the spotlight. Our souls being saved. That's, that's, that's it. That's the beginning. That's the alpha and omega of everything we're supposed to do. Well, you know, the preaching's kind of okay, I guess. You know, singers are pretty good from time to time. You know, I don't know. You, I don't like the burgers there. You know, about you liking burgers? Our souls being saved. Our lives being transformed. See, we come here on a Sunday morning to, be, to receive encouragement and instruction so that we can go out and then minister to a dark and dying world. Not to sit here and entertain one another. Oh, yeah, I didn't, you know, music's not jumping. I'm sorry. Get B.B. King. I mean, it, it, you, you will bounce. I trust me. Don't go to Kanye West concerts because it's only three songs. And, oh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, for those of you who went there and wasted your money, <laughs> nobody here, of course, uh, nobody here. If you want entertainment, there are, the, world, the world does very well at entertaining. That's not what the body of Christ is about. 
But unfortunately, that's what the world has, the world, the body of Christ has, has become. Man, if you go there, they have smoke, they have strobes, they, they, boy, they, they got it going on there. You got to go there. Boy, the word is, boy, it's blowing up over there. You got to go there. Are people being saved? Are people being saved? Are lives being changed? Are you being changed? I'm just saying. Uh, so a few days later, I'm almost done, I promise you. Um, a few days later, a man purportedly from Saul's camp uh, finds and reports to David. And we read in the book of 2 Samuel, the first chapter, uh, the sixth verse. I happened to be on Mount Geboa, the young man said, and there was Saul leaning on his spear with the chariots and their drivers in hot pursuit. When he turned around and saw me, he called out to me, and I said, what can I do? What can I do? That is, gosh, I mean, preach on just that question um, for about a year. What can I do? What can I do? Now, this is a very different story than what we just read in uh, 1 Samuel, the 31st chapter. Um, he claims to be an eyewitness to the events. Uh, and later, and again, I invite you to read that first chapter. Uh, he claims to be an eyewitness, but later in the chapter, you'll read that uh, he killed Saul as an act of mercy, and he princes, pre presents his crown as proof. Um, but if you read in the uh, 31st chapter of 1 Samuel, you'll also read that it was the day after that a lot of the, the, the Philistines came and, and, you know, when people are dead, you know, kind of like the Civil War even. When people are died, the bodies are laying out there. You know, they try and get to the bodies as soon as they can, but if they don't, then people that are opportunistic come there and they scavenge what they can off the bodies. And that's probably what happened rather than having two conflicting stories. Uh, and so he presents the crown as, as proof. Why he does this is only speculation. Does he want to endear himself to, to David? You're going to be the king soon. Let me, get in the, let me get on the good foot on the gravy train and let me, let me get here and really get in good with the, with the soon-to-be chief. Uh, David said, you good for nothing so-and-so. How dare you kill God's anointed? Kill him. He was dispatched. That was it. That was, that was it. And his question was, what can I do? <laughs> what you could do is what you, what you could do is not do what you just did if you wanted to live. But it cost him his life. The irony is Saul lost his relationship with God and his kingdom because he failed to do what God say, said to destroy the Amalekites, and now someone claiming to be an Amalekite is killed for claiming to have killed Saul. So, what does this series uh, show us? Much. But the one thing that I take away, this is just Mark David Meeks, the one thing that I take away from our study over the course of the last few months is um, we are created in Mago Dei. We are created in the image of God. Each and every believer, non-believer, if we're human, we are created in the image of God. 
And one of, those, one of the biggest attributes of being created in the image of God is the fact that we each have free choice. That's the whole, for me, it's just me. You get anything you want out of this, and I pray that God really speaks to your heart in this. But over the arc of this study, you have a choice. 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 I have a choice. It's not that we don't have choices. We have choices every day. We have choices. We can choose to be loving, or we can choose to be ugly. We can choose to be pleasant, or we can choose to not be pleasant. We can choose to share the gospel of Christ, or we cannot choose to share the gospel of Christ. We can choose to be benevolent when the opportunity arises to us, or like I did and when I sinned and failed, and I was like, not today. And then to be put in my place, and rightfully so, well then, when is the day? If it's not today, when is the day? So, we need to ask ourselves, when it comes, you guys know me. You're, all of you are better than me. All of you are better than me. You trust me. No, Pastor, you don't know me. You don't know me. We are presented with choices every day. Do we choose? What is our, what is our choice? Is our choice to glorify God? Um, as the song intones, uh, whatever way you choose to use me, I'm okay. Or to sing it, Brother Jones, as the world would sing it, oh, oh Blue Eyes would sing it, uh, I did it my way. It really is that binary. I'd like to make it more complicated and make it more spiritually deep and all of that because then you might ooh and ah and really, uh, really just be floored or flabbergasted, but really it's binary. We could do it God's way or we could do it like Sinatra sang, do it my way. There are no in-betweens. There are no in-betweens. There are no in-betweens. Well, we like to default that, you know, some decisions, you know, they're neither right nor wrong. You know, they're just decisions. Wrong. There are good choices, and then there are the best choices. There are choices that, yeah, you're not going to get struck by lightning, but that's a pretty short bar. That's a pretty low bar uh, to actually measure. You know, it's like God's not going to send me to hell over uh, that choice. Wow, is that really the choice? I mean, that's, that's the choice we pick. Hell or not, I want to please the Father. How? In everything that I say and do. What does that look like lived out? I know. I know. I know. I hear you. I, I, I hear you. Well, Pastor, there's nothing wrong with, with eating cake. There's nothing wrong with eating cake. Too much cake will make you sick. Well, you mean every day's got to be a kale or cabbage day? I didn't say that. I, I, don't, I, I, didn't, I don't even like kale. I don't even know why I said that. Um, I like the, the marker that Joshua threw down. As, and how, how appropriate as we consider uh, facility and next moves and all. 
I mean, really, how appropriate. I mean, just God's got jokes. He really does. He's got jokes. He's got jokes. So as we, as we spiritually move, develop, or atrophy, before, see, God had promised the people the land. This is your land. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. God said, this is your land. You're going to go in. You're going to possess it. And Joshua was like saying, okay, before we go in there and take advantage of that land that is promised to us, let me, let me say a few words. So he says, so now, fear God. It's a good point. Worship him in total commitment. It's good too. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worship on the far side of the river, the Euphrates, and in Egypt. You, don't worry about what others are doing. You worship God. If you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, knock yourself out. No, he didn't say that. I said that. Uh, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. The worst thing that we can do is, uh, is, 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 as Jesus said in the book of Revelation, as John captured, it's like, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I just spit you out of my mouth. And so Joshua is saying the same thing. Be hot or cold. Make a decision. Stop playing. Uh, choose one of the gods your ancestors worship from the country beyond the river. And I've never noticed this, but he puts in a joke in here. Joshua does. Uh, or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're now living. Didn't work out so well for them. You can choose one of those gods. You know, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Oh, you know, I'm, you know I don't have any other gods. It's where our heart is. That's, that's really what, that's where we're at, where our heart is at. But as Joshua said, as for me and my family, you guys do whatever you want, but as for me and my family, we're going to worship God. Uh, again, I don't want to sing, I did it my way. Uh, I'd rather sing something like, I've decided to follow Jesus, uh, and there's no turning back. There's no turning back. I'm, this is too late in the day for me. It, it's just, uh, maybe if I were 18 or 20-something, maybe I was like, ah, I got a little bit of time. I'd, I'd, I'd try and play that foolish spiritual roulette. Uh, but at my station in life, there's no turning back. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. If he chooses to slay me, yet will I serve him. I know what he's capable of doing. If he chooses not to do it, that's on God. I know what he can do. How do I know that? Because he's done it before. And he's revealed himself to me before. Not one time. I'm telling, I'm telling you, for real, for real. For real. Not one time has God ever failed me. Not once. Bet you a dollar. 